Amen. Well, if you're new with us this morning, we are continuing in this Lord's Prayer series, which um, has really been an incredible uh, thing, I think, for our community, uh, more relevant uh, than we could have ever imagined as we've thought through um, not only uh, how to make our request to God, but also when we make our prayer, when we make our request, what God is doing in us through those prayers. And uh, this morning, we're about halfway through. We're going to jump in and we're going to look at uh, this ask of give us this day our daily bread. And what I want to um, challenge you with is I want us to think about what does that mean, give us this day our daily bread, when we live in a land of abundance? What does that mean? So let's turn, as we have been this whole series, to Matthew 6, and we're going to read the Lord's Prayer out loud together. You started that tradition, not me. And um, let's hear now God's word. Say this with me. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The grass withers and the flower fades. The word of our God endures forever. So it's 1928. Uh, Herbert Hoover was well on his way to win the presidency. And like any successful politician, Hoover ran on this idea of a hopeful tomorrow. And of the many things that he promised our nation, he was certain that poverty, among all things, would soon no longer exist. Look at what he said. He said this. He said, we are nearer to the final triumph over poverty than ever before in the history of our land. Life was looking up. The nation was roaring back. Hoover landed in office. And then you know what happens next. Then came Black Tuesday. Just three years later, by 1931, the bread lines in New York were serving 85,000 people a day. 85,000. Nearly a quarter of this country was unemployed. It's hard to imagine, just in the span of a few years, one in four without work. There's a book called Hard Times, and it's a written oral history of the Great Depression. And as you read through it, it's quite humbling. Just listen to this. I don't have this on the screens, but this this is from a mother looking back to the, the days of her firstborn child. This is what she said. She said, I'll never forget that first Easter. Our son was four years old. I bought 10 cents worth of eggs. You didn't get too many eggs for that. She said, Tommy got his little Easter basket and he would find these eggs. I would steal them out of the basket and rehide them. He looked for eggs for three hours and he never knew the difference. It's sobering, isn't it? To, To think of how fast the deck of cards can just blow over. You know, it's one thing to pray for daily bread in a season of abundance, but I think it's quite another to pray that prayer when your stomach hurts. Let me just ask you, when you think about those words, when was the last time that you really intentionally thought through and prayed that prayer? I don't mean just like spoke the words, kind of wrote as we do in worship. I mean really connected with the reality of what it is that we're asking God for. Just consider this. Right now, if I wanted to buy 100 loaves of bread... A hundred loaves of bread, I could do that in less than 30 minutes. It would take me one grocery store, one single visit, a couple of grocery carts, we'd be good to go. 
So what exactly are we praying for when we ask, give us this day our bread? And what I want to do this morning is I want to split our time into those three pieces. Give us this day our bread. And we're going to look at each one of those three together. And as we do that, my prayer is that God will maybe help us rediscover a new depth to this prayer that Jesus taught us so long ago. So let's just start right here. Let's just think about this. What, what do we mean by give us? Long before Jesus ever began with teaching us to, to ask for anything for ourselves, I think it's worth noting, we've spent half the summer now thinking about who it is that we're praying to. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. You know, if you think about your prayer life, I think so often we skip the praise and the adoration and the reminders of who it is that we're speaking to, and we, we sometimes treat God more like this genie, right? We're just going to rub the lamp and hope that we get the wish list answered. But long before Jesus ever gets to my wants or my needs or my desires, he starts with who God is. And now that Jesus has set our eyes on who he is and our hearts on what he wants, now he gives us the prayer by which we might begin our requests. And when you first read it, it sounds kind of bossy, right? Kind of reminds me of like a five-year-old, like, gimme, gimme, gimme. But Jesus didn't say, give me. Uh, Jesus said, when you pray, ask the Father to give us. Like the rest of the Lord's Prayer, I think it's important we remember this is corporate. Which means when we ask God to give us our bread, not only are we asking him to, to give me a loaf, we're also recognizing that he wants to use my loaf to share with those who don't have a loaf. It's actually quite a selfless prayer. Yesterday I went out with the girls to make our weekly rounds over by Costco and um, you gotta do it at least once a week, right? As I shared before, I always turn left early to pray through the, the street of broken RVs on my way in. And I know if you've looked at the newspapers of our little town, that, that issue of RVs all around town has become this controversy among, uh, um, among the Gallatin Valley, and rightfully so. It's kind of a mess. But the polarization, right, between the haves and the have-nots and that one-mile radius is unmistakable. Like on the one hand, um, we're packing our SUV full of meat and cheese and veggies for weeks on end, right next door to people who are barely making it. You know, poverty is always such a messy topic, but I guess what I'd say is, is this prayer, at the very least, has to begin to shape how we see that contrast. What do we do as followers of Christ with that kind of discrepancy in our own backyard? What is the place of the church in the midst of that? Give us. You know, I felt this way for quite some time, and I've been sharing this with elders this summer. Spring Hill is so well positioned in this valley. God's blessings are unmistakable. Mortgage paid off, fully subscribed budget, ample savings. It is no question of God's blessings. And I think the challenge then for both us corporately and also individually is also to ask, Christ, where would you like for me to give my loaf? You know, Jesus himself said, to whom much is given, much is required. If you stop to consider what it is that we're praying you really can't say those words without a mindset shift. Give us our daily bread. Those words change how we see our neighbor, don't they? 
They change how we eat. They change our habits of generosity. They change our priorities. This is a lifestyle kind of prayer. See, when we pray for bread, we're not just praying for something, we're also praying against something. Those words cause us to pray against hunger, to pray against gluttony, to pray against poverty. It's staggering when you think, you consider just about how many people go without food every day on this earth. Most organizations agree that nearly 10% of this globe goes hungry every day. 800 million people nourished, malnourished, I should say. You know, that might seem like an overwhelming statistic, but what we find in this prayer then is, is a word against that injustice. It's a prayer that causes us to move in the direction of God's desire to feed the nations. <coughs> Give us. I'm not just praying for my bread. I'm asking God for your bread. In fact, just look at this. I've got two fairly long passages I want us to read this morning. The first one is this, and it reminds us of our role in all this. Look at this in Matthew 25. Jesus said, for I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you welcomed me. I was naked, you clothed me. I was sick, you visited me. I was in prison, you came to me. The righteous were confused. They said, Lord, when did we see you hungry or feed you? or When did we see you thirsty or give you drink? When do we see you a stranger? See you in sick or in prison and visit you. And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, you did it to me. Now that I've got us started, let's look at this next please. Why would Jesus pray for this day? This day our daily bread. You remember the story of the Israelites out in the wilderness, Exodus 16. Um, every night, God's people would, would go to bed with nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing in their storerooms for the next day's provision. And every morning, they would wake up to this, this hope that their survival would be in the food that God provided them from heaven. Look at this. The Lord told Moses, Behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day. Can you imagine that kind of trust? The only sustenance they had was what God provided them for sunup to sundown. Apart from Sabbath, you had no leftovers. Really think about that. How would you sleep if I told you that tonight, from here forward, we either lived or died by what fell out of the sky? It's interesting. You know, Jesus doesn't teach us to pray for tomorrow's bread, just today. It's a prayer woven into the story of God's people. This, this daily ask, it has roots in the history of God's faithfulness. After the Korean War, one scholar wrote about relief agencies who were overwhelmed in South Korea with orphaned children. And they had plenty of money. They had plenty of food from the global, society, global community around them. Three meals a day. But after all this trauma, the children couldn't sleep at night. As they lay their heads in the pillows, they were left awake by this anxiety of what if they woke up the next day to war again and famine and no food. The relief workers realized they had a problem on their hands, so they decided just before bed, they would place a piece of bread in each child's hand to ensure that they would wake up with something to eat for the next day. And with that tangible promise, now they could finally sleep. Just ask this with me. Why would Jesus pray simply for today. He says, when you pray, ask for daily bread. And I feel like we become professionals 
at worrying about tomorrow. It's ironic, right? We, we have more abundance now, arguably, than ever before in the history of man, and yet we're also more anxious than we've ever been. A few years ago, a social media consultant named Sarah Fader had written a text to her friend of many years, and when her friend failed to respond for 24 hours, this is what she wrote on Twitter. She said, I haven't heard from my friend for a day, and my thought is, they don't want to be my friend anymore. Hashtag, this is what anxiety feels like. Her post went viral. Thousands of people added in their anxious thoughts behind hers. One person wrote this. She said, if you're a human in today's world and you're not anxious, something's wrong with you. That's rough. You know, we're a fearful culture. We, we will worry about anything. We fear tomorrow. What will the future of our country look like? What will the future of our economy be? How can I secure my wealth and my, my health and my prosperity? And the problem with this is the more abundance we get, the more we want to cling to it. And what compounds this is we've been told this lie that we're in control. We've been habituated by our human condition to believe wrongly that I'm in charge. And we forget who the real breadwinner is. Look at this. I told you two long passages. I got one more for you. Look at this in Matthew 6, 25. Jesus says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to their span of life? Why are you anxious about clothing? Just consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you of you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious about anything, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or where? For the Gentiles seek after these things. Your heavenly Father knows you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Man, I feel like we should start every day maybe with that passage. It's amazing to me. Go, go up into the mountains and get lost. Go on a back dirt road somewhere. And notice how God just closed a field with flowers that most have probably never seen before. His provision is incomprehensible. Give us this day our daily bread. Sufficient for today is its own trouble. See, this prayer, it's a way of reorienting our lives, I think, back to what matters. We're not asking God for, uh, for storehouses. We're not asking God for extravagance. We're just asking God for enough. And I think the greatest risk, as I said, in living in a, a privileged country is that we'll end up putting our, our trust in the things that we have rather than placing it in him. And what that means then is so often we get robbed of living in the moment because we're so caught up in what might happen tomorrow that we miss what's happening right in front of us today. This is a prayer that guards us from that. We need just enough, God, because you're more than enough. Give us this day our daily bread. Let's think about this final piece. In fact, we probably should have started here. And let's just ponder this. 
what did Jesus mean when he talked of bread? Believe it or not, um, that question has caused all kinds of controversy in the history of the church. I really enjoyed watching all of the debate go on among our church fathers. Because at first glance, uh, it's obvious, right? We're asking for food. We're asking for the basic needs of life. That which we need to live to tomorrow. But as you search the scriptures, you begin to find out like, whoa, there's a whole lot more meaning behind this bread thing. Look at this in John 6. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus names himself bread? Tim Challies once wrote about his time as a pastor out in rural Iowa. When he first started in the pastorate, um, he knew nothing of agriculture. And just as the snow would fly, the ground would begin to harden and he would watch his church do the strangest things. They would take their tractors out and they would begin sowing these kernels of wheat into the fields. Tim was confused by this, being a city boy. Like what person in their right mind would, would plant seed when the ground begins to harden? There's nothing coming up from that snowfall. But of course the farmers knew better. They knew that what's sown in a season of cold and darkness will soon produce a, a rich harvest. See, buried in the ground is this mere kernel that goes dormant. The rain comes, the sun shines, the kernel begins to sprout, the wheat rises, it's separated, it gets smashed, broken, crushed into flour. The flour is kneaded with yeast, the dough is seasoned with salt, it's left to rise and baked to perfection. Anybody else hungry yet? See, and Jesus steals that concept. He says, I am the bread of life. And like that seed, I was buried beneath the earth. Like that seed, I died. Like that seed, I rose from the Father's hand. And like that seed will come from me a harvest indescribable. Without me, like that seed, you have no life. See, just as our bodies need nourishment from a grain of wheat sown into the ground, dead in winter, risen in spring, so our souls need nourishment of Jesus Christ. Jesus himself told us, man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. I am the bread of life. See, so when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we mean not only the, the bread that comes from the, the earth, but we also mean the bread that is Jesus Christ, the bread that comes down from heaven. Doctors say on average, without bread, a human will only make it weeks to months before we die from starvation. We can't live without the basic necessities of food, right? This daily sustenance is what gives us life, which should cause us to ponder then, if that's the case of our physical needs, and Jesus names himself the bread of life, why do we neglect our spiritual needs? Why would we ever go weeks or months or let alone days without feasting on God's word? Why, why would we go a day without praying to him? You know, one of the reasons I believe Jesus named himself as bread is that we need him every day. We are what we eat. Like manna, we need him to fall on us first thing in the morning. We need his nourishment of our souls throughout each day. Without him, we're spiritually starving. And that's why we come to this table. That's what communion is all about. That was one of the controversies. St. Augustine thought we should take communion every single day. And in the fifth century, the church did. Because every time you break the bread, you hear me say the same thing. Just as bread nourishes our body, so Christ nourishes our souls. 
Let me tie this all together. I want you to consider uh, for a minute a time when you couldn't see on the other side of the storm. When was a time in life where you had no idea what tomorrow was gonna look like? You know, I know for some of us, that's, that's been this week. It's been a week of great lament, a week of weariness and wondering. But in the last week, I also have to say, it has been a week, has it not, where every day we awake and what we found is God's grace is sufficient for that day. Right? We can worry about the next thing. We can wonder about tomorrow. We can get stuck in future tense. Or we can just rest that the presence of Almighty God is enough for this present moment. And let that be enough. And when we ask for this daily bread, it shapes us. We're not just asking for God to do something for us. We're asking for God to do something in us. So this morning, I want to just practice this prayer with you. And I want to slow it down and I want to take those three things. And I want to truly ask God to give us this day our bread. And as we do that, my prayer is that God will help us renew our trust in who he is. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you, Lord, that you are the bread of life. That every good gift we have comes from the hands of the Father. That you sent your one and only Son, Lord, to live and die and rise again, that we might have life. And so, Lord, we pray, give us. Would you give us more of you? God, as one beggar who's found the loaf of bread, would you help us to find the others that, that need the bread too? Lord, whether that be feeding the poor as you have called us to do or bringing the gospel because you have named yourself the bread of life. Lord, would you not keep, would you help us to not keep our, our abundance to ourselves but to share it with others? God, we pray this day. Lord, we confess to you our fears. We confess to you our anxieties. We confess to you, we don't know what tomorrow brings. And Lord, we may make our best laid plans, but you direct our steps. So God, would you just make this moment in time enough? Would you give us this day our daily bread? And God, when we wanna cling to more, would you help us instead cling to you? And Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the daily bread that you've given. Jesus, we thank you for being the bread of life. Lord, we, we confess we need more of you. Would you help us to feast on your word? Would you help us to soak up the nourishment that comes from it? And God, would you help us to pass it on? Lord, give us this day our daily bread. And let that be enough. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. amen.